and all manner of animal life that came in her way. She set her face with a sulky determination against any intimacy between herself and the baronet's young wife, and amiable as that lady was, she found it quite impossible to overcome Miss Alicia's prejudices and dislike, or to convince the spoilt girl that she had not done her a cruel injury by marrying Sir Michael Audley. The truth was that Lady Audley had, in becoming the wife of Sir Michael, made one of those apparently advantageous matches which are apt to draw upon a woman the envy and hatred of her sex. She had come into the neighborhood as a governess in the family of a surgeon in the village near Audley Court. No one knew anything of her, except that she came in answer to an advertisement which Mr. Dawson, the surgeon, had inserted in the Times. She came from London, and the only reference she gave was to a lady at a school in Brompton, where she had once been a teacher. But this reference was so satisfactory that none other was needed, and Miss Lucy Graham was received by the surgeon as the instructress of his daughters. Her accomplishments were so brilliant and numerous, that it seemed strange that she should have answered an advertisement offering such very moderate terms of remuneration as those named by Mr. Dawson. But Miss Graham seemed perfectly well satisfied with her situation, and she taught the girls to play sonatas by Beethoven, and to paint from nature after Creswick, and walked through a dull, out-of-the-way village, to the humble little church, three times every Sunday, as contentedly as if she had no higher aspiration in the world than to do so all the rest of her life. People who observed this accounted for it by saying that it was part of her amiable and gentle nature always to be light-hearted, happy, and contented under any circumstances. Wherever she went, she seemed to take joy and brightness with her. In the cottages of the poor her fair face shone like a sunbeam. She would sit for a quarter of an hour talking to some old woman, and apparently as pleased with the admiration of a toothless crone, as if she had been listening to the compliments of a marquis. And when she tripped away, leaving nothing behind her, for her poor salary gave no scope to her benevolence, the old woman would burst out into senile raptures with her grace, beauty, and her kindliness, such as she never bestowed upon the vicar's wife, who half fed and clothed her. For, you see, Miss Lucy Graham was blessed with that magic power of fascination, by which a woman can charm with a word, or intoxicate with a smile. Everyone loved, admired, and praised her. The boy who opened the five-barred gate that stood in her pathway ran home to his mother to tell of her pretty looks, and the sweet voice in which she thanked him for the little service. The verger at the church, who ushered her into the surgeon's pew, the vicar who saw the soft blue eyes uplifted to his face as he preached his simple sermon, the porter from the railway station, who brought her sometimes a letter or a parcel, and who never looked for reward from her, her employer, his visitors, her pupils, the servants, everybody, high and low, united in declaring that Lucy Graham was the sweetest girl that ever lived. Perhaps it was the rumor of this which penetrated into the quiet chamber of Audley Court, or perhaps it was the sight of her pretty face, looking over the surgeon's high pew every Sunday morning. However it was, it was certain that Sir Michael Audley suddenly experienced a strong desire to be better acquainted with Mr. Dawson's governess. He had only to hint his wish to the worthy doctor for a little party to be got up, 
to which the vicar and his wife and the baronet and his daughter were invited. That one quiet evening sealed Sir Michael's fate. He could no more resist the tender fascination of those soft and melting blue eyes, the graceful beauty of that slender throat and drooping head, with all its wealth of showering flaxen curls, the low music of that gentle voice, the perfect harmony which pervaded every charm, and made all doubly charming in this woman, than he could resist his destiny. Destiny! Why, she was his destiny! He had never loved before. What had been his marriage with Alicia's mother, but a dull jog-trot bargain, made to keep some estate in the family, that would have been just as well out of it? What had been his love for his first wife but a poor, pitiful, smouldering spark, too dull to be extinguished, too feeble to burn? 